when you introduced me, you introduced me as Joker. good to have you i'm doing well how are you doing good doing good so it you know just a couple of current events it feels like the election stuff won't ever end we'll obviously see the results in a couple couple days two days um what's been on your mind bucko well what's on my mind is um what can the right do to win Something that's um, come apparent with this election is there's a segment of the right that believes that political change uh, can reverse a lot of the trends we're seeing, all the progressive trends that have been happening for the past 50 years. Um, destruction of the nuclear family, for one, um, the opening up of the borders, uh, transgender ideology, these different things. And many were hopeful that Trump in 2016 would bring about some change. That if we just elect the right guy, then you know he can make it all better. But with um, you know, the current situation of the election, um, I know some people say that it's voter fraud. Some people talk about how Trump lost 5% of the white vote, whatever the situation is. Um, anybody that represents a change, a shift towards the right, such as Trump. And I would argue that even if he didn't shift politics to the right as much as people hoped for, um, he did represent a shift to the right, a shift back to some sort of normalcy. And with the current election, we're seeing that the powers that be won't let that happen. They will pull out all the stops for that. So we're in a situation where politics is no longer the solution. So now the right needs some new strategies going forward. How are we going to survive given um, the crackdown that the three-letter agency is on? Any dissonant right, dissonant right group that pops up um, given the amount of uh, tech censorship that we're facing? So I've been thinking a lot about, okay, how can we survive? How can we thrive? How can we take over? I mean, honestly, I've been thinking about that a lot too. Uh, I, mean, I mean, how can you not? You know, uh, otherwise, what are you going to just lay down, you know, and die? Uh, and particularly, I've been thinking about like the the leader situation. You know, you think, it, how does it how does it go? Is it the leader changes the culture, or does the ca- culture change the leader? You know, and um, that's why you know I've in my personal life, people around me, I've been pushing a lot of like you know masculine activities and I don't mean masculine activities like I'll ah, go play football or anything like that you know I've developed a, a group of friends that you know I got one buddy that he's a amateur blacksmith you know I, I've gotten into like woodworking like whittling you know stuff like that got another buddy that you know he, he started to keep bees you know just like a bunch of like homestead types And, uh, you know, that goes directly against the, like, pushed culture, you know. Uh, A lot lot of stuff that, you know, we produce, it's like, you you could say, why do you do that? You can get what you want offline or from a store. But it's like, you know that that's kind of what they want us to do. They want us to give up our independence, our soul. Uh, you know, like literally that's how you destroy a culture is you sell off the aspects of the culture and have it produced by some faceless corporation, you know, 
and obviously, you know, like it, it, it's it's more than what we make and what we buy. You know, there's obviously the cultural aspects, and you know, you have like things like the destruction of the family, but you know, most of it is not forced policy. You know, most of it is that sort of authentically developed culture. And, you know, culture starts in a from small scale and goes out. And it also, you know, it, it also comes from the top down. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, a, a candle burned at both ends, except, you know, it doesn't really destroy itself, but... Well, I guess I guess it does. Whatever the fire may be, it turns it into that. Uh, but what I see is it's gonna have to be a battle. If we can't change who's up at the top, we have to change what happens at the bottom. And that's the only way it can move up. You know, we may not be able to change the overall zeitgeist, but we can at least save ourselves in a sense. And, and we can, you know, we can save ourselves and we can destroy them. We can steal from them, you know, in a sense. You know, we can take stuff from them. Uh, you know, like, th- there's obviously, like, small things you can do, like change people's minds, you know, that you interact with, make a difference that way. Uh, but besides that, you know, I, I mean, like, I can't think of too much. I mean, what we do online is insane, too. I mean, like, we can reach people that, you know, it, it would be financially impossible for people like me and you to do do such a thing. Um, there's a lot of people who create stuff like, you know, podcast videos, live streams on YouTube, that kind of thing, and they're able to change people's minds, inspire people to do different things. And, you know, these are very important aspects of pushing the culture in the direction we need. Because how are you going to discover something and want to do it if you're not inspired? You know, that that's, that's exactly what it takes. And you don't have to be some big name guy to inspire somebody. You know, it, it can be small. It can be something small. And, you know, you take your piece, you spread it, you know, it goes farther and farther. And, you know, like, that's what you got to do. You know, at least that's the way I see it. For sure, it's, um, culture is what's going to determine politics. Um, and that is going to be from a ground up and from a top down. I mean, like, look at how much, uh, Netflix, for example, has changed culture um, by selecting certain movies to promote, certain TV shows to air on, controlling what people watch. They can control what people think. Um, So it is a battle of the culture. I think you made a good point about if we can't control who's on top, we can at least survive. And that is the way I see things going forward. Um, How I see it is that Things are going to continue on as they're going on. Uh, things are going to get worse on a national scale, on an international scale. Um, that we are not going to be able to oppose powers that be on that kind of scale with equal force. But I do think eventually the system will collapse and give way to something else. Um, and that is because the current system, you know, neoliberal globalism, um, call the system, called the cathedral, call whatever you like, is based upon negation. It negates the family unit, negates biological sex. It denies, negates reality of race, um, negates religion, all these different things. We're talking about how it negates um, the very natural way that people used to be, where we made our own uh, spoons and furniture, right? used to be very, you know, local, you know, it's very handmade. People could point to something and say, I made that. But that's all been replaced by this, like, faceless um, company somewhere out there in the ether. And nobody can point to, like, an Ikea desk and say, 
and made that tree assembly in your house, but you know, who who made the chair? Well, you know, it was a bunch of different machines and a couple people that, you know, sorted the machines. No one actually made that. It just came to be out of the machinery. And ultimately, um, I'm not 100% confident on this, but my hunch is that a society built upon negation eventually negate itself. That if everything is built upon negation, again, like family, orders, uh, sex, race, all these things, it's just going to tend towards nothingness because that's all it can produce is nothingness. So something eventually will come out of that. So in the meantime, while we wait for the system to die, um, I think we have to build our own infrastructure. And by that, I mean supporting businesses on our, to share our values, share more traditional values. Um, if somebody has a podcast, you know, consider donating to them. Uh, working with uh, different local farms. Uh, there's a tea company out in uh, UK. It's called Grandma Towers. And they um very patriotic tea company. Um, I don't know the whole history behind that, but there was something about a, a label that was changed on another tea company um, to shy away from a British national identity. It was seen as too chauvinistic, so they changed a label. I might be getting that wrong, but that was the impression I got from reading the site. Yeah. And um, so Grandma Teller's tea came up, and they're having very patriotic, very uh, very pro-British uh, imagery on their uh, tea boxes. So supporting different companies. Um, and that's not just consuming, that's investing. Because part of the power dynamics is who gets paid for what. Amazon getting paid, rather than you know your local uh, farmer, is part of why Amazon has so much power. Um, we're not going to be able to have as much money as Amazon does, but if you can cut out much as much spending as you can, spending that's going towards different companies and different events that build up the current system and redirect those energies towards companies and individuals on our side of things that have our values, that will transfer some of the wealth, not a lot of the wealth, but enough that will give us a bit more power. And there's plenty of companies out there that have clothing. So um, willtorise.com has a bunch of different clothing. There's, uh, I, I think they might have changed their name a bit, but there's a company called Black Sun Soap. They make uh, soap that's in the shape of the black sun. And, um, <laughs> they, make, they make the like the Fight Club soap bar. So yeah. I mean, it's not just like your... Um, Typical, like, oh, you know, here's an edgy T-shirt or here's some edgy CDs. There's, you know, edgy soap. There's edgy TV. Um, some people are making clocks now. Voltarized are making clocks at the moment. Um, so I mean, we're seeing more and more kind of right-wing, traditional, conservative. Um, or everyone to call it at this point because the right is kind of going on metamorphosis at the moment. Yeah, I should tell right-wing spoons. Yes, you should. <laughs> you should. But I, I mean, I mean that it's like if you're just like a local guy doing woodwork, yeah. you know, support your local guy doing woodwork, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but eventually, as people will see that we're supporting our own businesses, um, and then again, they don't have to be explicitly political. It's probably best that most aren't. But once we know that support our values, even if it's just you know covertly, just in private conversations. Or even if it's just local businesses in general, supporting that infrastructure and building that would be a good thing. Um, that will grow and open up opportunities for new businesses to come in. So what that would be doing is, is um, that gives us an infrastructure that will slowly build. That we can start replacing all of our needs, our need for soap, our need for clothing, our need for spoons. And instead of investing in the system, we take that money out and we invest it in our own. Uh, communities. And I think that's the first step um, we should be doing. It's taking the energy we would normally put into electoral politics and sort of thinking about, okay, how can we build our own communities up? 
I wonder if it would be possible to set up a system where we could survive off our own. And, you know, I, I mean, like, uh, replace certain amenities uh, enough to where, you know, you could develop almost like a private economic sphere. You know, that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, they would try to destroy that at all costs. Like in a, but you know that to me sounds like a noble goal. You know, being able to, uh, let's say you got some people on our side that run delivery trucks, and co- coordinate them with some growers that are in like key areas, and then you know they move that you know, <clears throat> and you know they it just create like a sustainable sort of system and you know a lot of that is sort of like a pipe dream but you know like that is a realistic goal that I believe like people on our side should strive to do you know or at least be able to uh, replace things that you buy from places like Walmart and support you know local growers and things like that I think that is say um realistic goal granted it'll be a long-term goal it's not yeah. gonna happen overnight or probably five ten years but um everybody has some sort of skill everybody has one thing they can do really well um or just one thing they can do okay and if you take what you can do well we can do okay we can do really well and then take that and put it into this counter infrastructure um very soon, if everybody on our side thinks that we would have an alternative to you know Walmart, to Amazon, to all these different um, uh, you know system infrastructures, and now you know if we come out uh, in the front and say, all right, this is uh, the right wing right wing reactionary counter infrastructure, of course will be crushed, because that's a significant threat to the current order. Um, but it doesn't have to be overtly political. I mean, I've been on a telegram just a couple months, and it's been more of a couple months now, so almost a year actually. But I found very quickly that once you start knowing people, um, you start talking to them, you will find that people are more connected than they let on publicly. There's a lot of different groups and organizations that coordinate with each other that if you looked at it just on the public image, you wouldn't think that that's the case. Yeah. And that's because um, if, you know, the current order saw how connected versus the right are, it would clamp down a lot harder. So if we can make this kind of infrastructure not overtly political, and it's only known on the inside that we're creating a counter infrastructure, I think that could be an attainable goal. Like, I mean, if you can make soap, you know, you can have a whole entire, like, um, toiletry uh, business. You know, bam, that's toiletries. Somebody else can be doing, um, you know, I mean, if you can write poetry, I mean, that's something that people would consume. And whatever you can do well, that can be used. And a lot of people think that if I want to contribute, you know, to a political movement, I have to do podcasts or I have to write articles or I have to run as a politician. Any activity you do can be part of it. I mean, whatever you can produce, whatever you can, if you have a skill or if you have a product, that's part of the counter infrastructure. I guess, you know, like ideally we would be able to centralize something like this, but, you know, obviously being a dissident and living in a country like America, we constantly have uh, three-letter words, three-letter acronyms that try to <laughs> cause destruction. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I guess like, you know, you're saying still that type of thing too would have to be underground, you know, uh which, you know, that's 
I mean, that, that's the whole reason why secret societies have always been formed, you know, of, and, you know, they, they still are formed. I mean, like, I, I, I know people in, like, I, I guess you could call it secret societies, but locally that uh, have groups that talk about strategic things, some political, some not, and, you know, people don't know that they exist. You know, but you know th- those are that's I think that's a key part of male community. You know, you you need that type of thing, and I, it it's natural for you know us as humans, and in, not saying like it's some sort of dark secret kind of thing, uh, but you know like that that is a aspect of trust. You know, you you have those that you trust, and it's not the business of anyone else. You know. Right. You know, it is going to have to be secret. Um, and, you know, ideally, if everything goes according to plan, it will present itself as a counter infrastructure only when the current order falls. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, I was uh, talking about secret societies. Um, I was thinking about an article I read uh, maybe a month ago from website Orthodox Ethos. And and it was talking about how priests did confession in Soviet Russia, where um, it was very dangerous to be a priest, let alone to be a serving priest. And uh, basically, priests wore um, their vestments underneath their street clothes. It's an Orthodox church. The vestments are part of uh, doing confession. You need to be wearing certain vestments during confession. And what they would do is... Um, Priests would meet up with uh, you know, the faithful, be on a subway, be on a street corner, and they would just be sitting as if they're having a conversation. And you know, the priest would lean in, whisper something, and to um, the faithful's ear, you know, asking uh, him what he wants to confess. And the faithful would go on talking about his day, and would completely ignore it, and then would slip into that conversation that thinks he's dead, huh. and it would. And it would sound like they were having just a normal conversation. And sometimes um, they would even uh, <laughs> pretend to be a little bit drunk. So that would be easier to uh, do these things. And um, this went on, and this is how a lot of confessions were done um, in uh, Soviet-occupied Russia. That's really interesting. <laughs> it is. It's. I, I never knew about this. Um, but I was reading this article, it's like, wow. And you think that, you know, having some secret society, some secret underground something is like this pipe dream. But there it was done. And there was no central um, organizing done about it. There was no, you know, uh, underground Orthodox HQ, you know, underneath in some bunker in Russia that was organizing <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah. It was simply, um, you know, before things got really bad, the, the local priest talked to his flock and there was this common agreement that nobody would talk nobody would say anything about it and there would be new converts at the time but they were very wary and they were very cautious and they had what we would call very thorough vetting so it's um although on the face of it you know we've we haven't faced real oppression in america like the ussr did um, and God willing, we're not going to face anything near that. Um, so to talk about these things, saying, okay, we're going to have an alternative company for this than the other. So that way we can be completely economically independent. We're not going to be spending our money on the systems infrastructure and have our own infrastructure. That sounds like a really lofty goal, except things like this have been done throughout history. And people are put under enough pressure they can do this and they will do this so it is possible you know i, I mean it, it's strange that sounds way better than uh, than having a like a tell a bunch of telegram groups you know just <laughs> randomly meeting up and then, then like Acting like it's a normal conversation, then slowly slip in like, "How did you see old bugs? Uh, 
<laughs> oh my god, did you see that video? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, we we should uh, meet up, uh, but we you know I think we would have to have like color coded cards and show up show particular ones <laughs> like uh, the the blue is you know uh, I'm one of the fellows and then red is like somebody's watching me go go around the block a couple times <laughs> <laughs> which like it you know I don't I don't think we're we're necessarily in any groups too extreme that would warrant, right. warrant that but uh you know it certainly feels like it <laughs> you know yeah which you know that that's sort of weird like uh right. the fact you know okay if it was anything else feels like if we were a star wars fan club <laughs> you know we would have already all met up you know yeah but you know just the fact that uh we are in the same vein as things that have been targeted before you know I guess it's sort of like when you see the cop lights behind you and you know you're not doing anything illegal, you still sweat a little bit. Yeah. yeah I guess it's like that. I don't know. But, yeah. I mean, I'm not really in to any of those groups like uh, Facifist or, <laughs> you know, any, uh-huh. of the, any of the... Which, you know, it, it's funny that you know, we're, we're so, I guess it, I guess we, it's, it's strange that we know about those groups, you know, and, and I'm talking about like the really insane ones, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just like there, there are, there are crazy neighbors, you know, like we, we distinguish yeah. ourselves from them, but just because they're nearby, it ruins it for everybody else. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, uh, it's not like we could talk about everything we talk about on Twitter or on Facebook or anything like that. You know, we maybe maybe it would have been possible in 2006. But mm-hmm. now it's just it's it's just what we got to do, you know, which right. is ridiculous honestly. Well, it's not about ridiculous um you know talking about some of the people uh, the more extreme side of things. You know, we used to have free speech in America to the point where in 2002 <laughs> of all people uh, James Mason got invited to speak at multiple universities <laughs> got invited by the faculty to talk about alienation oh my god so if you think about like okay like you know like oh you know back in the day you know we could have so and so on YouTube things used to be that free yeah. the people on that side of things were able and were invited not by students, but by university faculty Gosh. to give talks. And now we're at a point where to say something that, you know, uh, that, you know, sex is real, or, you know, to say that I'm proud to be British, to say these things, you'll be chased, like, with pitchforks and torches. That's how, like, fast things have gone. I mean, did we live in a country where they say... Uh... Amen and a women. <laughs> like, I, I honestly thought that was a dad joke when somebody said that. I was like, dude, okay, that's clever. I showed it's, my, it's like, <laughs> I showed my parents the video and they, they, they thought it was like a parody, you know, like one of those edits. <laughs> when they were laughing, I was like, no, this is real. And they're like, yeah, what, what? It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah look, look, look where it came from. Look at the, the, the name of the tweet. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, then it goes from, like, laughter to, like, oh, gosh. You know, this is yeah. this, this is our country. You know. I mean, it's going by so fast that um, there's people I know, uh, you know, college-age people that are very much on the left, except two years gone by, and all of a sudden, all the people they watched on YouTube have all been canceled what they thought was like you know left doctrine they are repulsed at what the left's doing now 
I mean, there's been a couple of TED talks, um, and everybody knows this, this is coming. You know, it's classifying pedophilia as a sexual orientation. Jeez. There's people that, I mean, there's been multiple TED talks on this, and there's been a couple articles from, you know, the the national media um, talking about how you know there's the difference between people that have the orientation versus those who act upon it, um, and all this you know disgusting stuff. Is there's there's people that used to be know fairly you know doctrinary lgbt people you know look everybody should have a right to marry who they want now they're looking at where that is going and they're saying that pretty soon they're becoming the right wing and they're still you know of course leftists except that's how fast things are going somebody yeah. that was a doctrinary leftist two years ago is now seeing themselves on the quote-unquote right wing right wing of things well that you i mean honestly that that's how it works. You know, if you don't move to the progress, if you don't move with pro progress, you become the right. Yeah. You know, I mean, shoot, just some of the ideas that we have, if you, if you bump back 200 years ago, we would get lapped out of anything called conservative. I interrupt this program for a word from our sponsor. Chuck Yeager here. Old soldiers never die, but neglected batteries do. That's why I feel better with a Delco battery under the hood. Seal tight and maintenance free, with plenty of startup power to handle cold winter nights. Delco batteries and deep cycling Delco Voyager batteries. Land or sea, they're maintenance free. And now get up to $5 rebate on all Delco batteries. See your AC Delco retailer for details. But act soon. This offer ends December 19th, 1987. We were talking a bit about, um, you know, how fast things are going in terms of the restriction of free speech. Um, and how in 2002, some people that were on the very extreme side of things were being invited to talk on universities. To now to the point where um, affirming something like basic biology will get you, you know, banned from Twitter and will get, you know, all sorts of mobs to get you fired from work. Yeah. And where things are going, not only is free speech going, things that used to be doctrinaire leftism two years ago is now getting dangerously close to you getting canceled. So not only is free speech going away very, very fast at a rapid rate, but we what you can be penalized for is increasingly becoming um, very large. You used to have to only uh, advocate violence to be kicked off of social medias. Now almost anything can get, can get you kicked off. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like things were at least sort of normal during Obama. And then, like, man, it, you know, like, it, when Trump got into office, or at least right before, that's when things really went crazy. Like, to the point where, like, I guarantee uh, if everything, if any, if it gets to any like semblance of normal sometime in the future, they're going to look at like that year and try to figure out exactly what happened. You know, like where the, where was there some kind of infiltration, you know, something like that. Because, you know, I was talking with my neighbor and uh, this is like an old school leftist guy, you know, Southern Democrat. Um, and, you know, now he's like, he voted for Trump. He talked about, he was talking to me about, like, it's it's insane what they did to him. You know, like, it, it blew him away. You know, like, and he's a pretty smart guy. But, you know, like, I mean, we do have different politics. But, like, I mean, it's pushed it the way things have gone. You know, like, we're basically on the same page, me and him. And I think that this acceleration um, shows that the current order can't sustain itself. If the order was healthy, it wouldn't need to have this crazy censorship. It wouldn't need this push for absolute ideological purity. Um, to me, that shows that the system is threatened. Of course, you know the U.S. government is the most powerful government in the world. We rule Europe and we rule most of the world. But 
you know, a society that a government that had stability wouldn't need to be pushing um, for all sorts of censorship. Now I know that's not the government explicitly is censoring, it's the tech companies, but the sphere between private and public is becoming increasingly blurred. It, you know, a healthy society, one that had popular support, wouldn't need um, to have this very enforced ideological purity. It could tolerate a diversity of beliefs. But to have, you know, people going after leftists, there was a standard leftist in 2015 being attacked by a standard leftist in 2020 as right-wing or reactionary. That shows that the current system is weakening and thus the demand for ideological purity and thus the demand for censorship for any dissident voices, even if that dissident was somebody normal from 20, 2008. Um, a model from 2008, again, would be somebody on the far right, according to the current media establishment. Yeah. I mean, and that, I think, underscores the need for us to create a new infrastructure is that if things are going this way, um, I'm not saying things will, you know, change in the next year and the system will fall, but I'm saying that as it's weakening, we have to be ready to replace it. And that doesn't mean that, you know, all of a sudden one day you're gonna wake up, there'll be gunfire, all the cities on fire. And then, you know, there's our hero riding on a on a white horse that brings in a new, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, brings back Constantinople. I'm not saying that um I mean the USSR collapsed and you didn't have, you know, massive riots and massive, you know, fire burning. Well, the regime became too weak to sustain itself, and a new regime came in. And we need to be ready for that. That's why we need to have infrastructures as this regime is weakening. And I think, you know, we've been talking about the demand for ideological purity and the demand for censorship shows that it's weakening. If it was strong, it wouldn't need to do either of those things. I and mean, as it weakens, we need to have infrastructure that replaces that when the time comes. Yeah. If if I were to guess, or if, if I were to assume something that we need to have established, it would at least be, you know, a couple of alternative modes of communication. You know, and I guarantee the next three years are going to be the most important in terms of developing uh, those infrastructures you know like we definitely need to i mean it's money ball time like you gotta invest we have to build something you know that that is gonna be able to take advantage of what we're about to see you know it, it's obviously a huge transitionary transitionary period and you know like you were talking about those those skills that everybody has uh Put some money into it. Uh, put put some practice into it, time, uh, and hone those skills. What, whatever you have, you know, uh, if you if you're good at organizing, hey, practice organize, organizing. It doesn't matter what it is, you know, uh, and that's what we all need to do. You know, just find something. You got to be useful because, like, what the what they're literally programming all of us to do is to be useless. Even, you know, like we were talking about before, like even the degree systems nowadays, uh, they set you up for the bare minimum. If you want to be good in a field, you got to go the extra mile. You know, it's more than what you're just taught. Uh, it Everything has been turned into the bare minimum. You're basically useless. You know, and there's no way that that's not strategic. You know, I mean, w would they be dumb enough to create a workforce which is able to become independent? No, they're smarter than that. Absolutely. I mean, everyone that's listening right now, you have a skill. You know, I don't know what that is, but you have some skill. And that can be used. That can be used to build something. And like you're saying, Alex, um, these next three, three years, next three years, maybe it's five years, but it's definitely within the next five years. It's going to be very crucial. Um, none of us know what's going to happen under the Biden administration. A lot of people think there's going to be a very large crackdown um, 
on the internet, a lot of different censorship. So we have to act fast with organizing. We have to get to a point where we're off the keyboards, we're off our phones, and we're there in real life. And we're getting together. And that doesn't mean we're having, you know, conferences where we're, you know, talking about the same political ideas we've been talking about for the past 10, 20 years. And we're all cheering because we hear what we like to hear. I mean, when we have to get off the computers, off our phones, I mean, that's starting that business with your skills. Or I mean, you know, providing that service you can and becoming connected. Maybe it's woodworking. Maybe it's working on a farm. Maybe it's making tea. Maybe it's, you know, mixing different coffee beans. That's what I'm talking about is if we got off the computers, off the phones, we can start to actually build stuff that really matters. And we're still going to need to have alternative forms of communication. Um, something that's much more decentralized that can't be shut down easily. Something preferably encrypted. That way we can coordinate between different businesses. But now's the time that if you have a couple hours in your day, if you have 30 minutes in your day, I mean, you have YouTube. You can, you know, you have all these tutorial videos of how to do different stuff. So even if you don't have a skill, you can very easily learn a skill. Yeah. Now's the time to do that. Now's the time to learn. Now's the time to build. Go go to livegen.rs and download PDFs on how to do stuff. Like I, I learned how to make a spoon from a PDF. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Libgen. That's the gospel I preach to so many people, whether it's on <laughs> online, whether it's in person. You can find almost any book out there for free. Yeah, can... So many different formats. Dude, that was a godsend. I've been, I've been like sending that to so many people. <laughs> like, it's so useful. And you, you can find basically everything. Anything that you can find on Amazon, you can find it on there. Like, you can search the ISBN number. It, it don't matter. I used to use archive.org to find stuff. But Libgen looks... It, it makes... Um, archive.org if it goes to like a big library imagine like a giant library archive.org is like one aisle of books libgenis entire library yeah it's a world of difference and, and, and now since uh uh what was the archive is like shutting down other books they got rid of like most of them now you can only rent them which i don't know how you rent a pdf but uh right. <laughs> but like yeah uh <laughs> libgen you ain't gotta worry about it it's got a russian host so just download them you know you'll be fine uh, i got a i got a tablet i've been loading that mf -er with them i i got like a terabyte of how-to books on there which you know that that's that's what people need they need to they need instructionals you know uh Skip, pick an area and uh, just like go ahead and make you a library of uh, things that you may or you know may not get to if you I mean if you can afford it make yourself an IRL library of important things that you may or may not get to you know uh, but you know like information is out there and it's easy to attain and we don't know how long we'll be able to go grab it. So, you know, why not get it now? Absolutely. But yeah, like, uh, and there's obviously other ways to increase your skills. You know, like, uh, tomorrow I'm, I'm going to uh, a friend of mine. Uh, he He's a professional, not a professional, but he, he has gotten very good at it a woodworker and he's going to help me learn how to do spoons a little better. I mean, some of y'all in the telegram, you, you saw like my first crude spoon, uh, not saying it was bad, but you know, I'm going to get better at that and, uh, maybe move over to like tobacco pipes and things like that. You know, uh, there, you know, you can. F there's people in your community, people you can connect to, that will help you in things. All you got to do 
is try to talk to them. People love to teach others, you know, and you don't have to go to like a trade school for some things. Some things you can easily get the simple basics and then it just takes like practice. Uh, like I was saying, you look at like some books to help you help guide you a little bit and, you know, find you somebody that you can, you know, ask questions with, you know, I mean, with stuff like that, I mean, I guess, you know, at the moment you could find someone online to help you with like little things. Cause I mean, who, who doesn't want to talk about their hobby with somebody? I mean, like, I mean, I Hey, if you like woodworking, hit me up. You know, I, I mean, I don't know much, but like, Hey, you can give me some tips, you know? <laughs> People love giving advice. People love helping each other out. Um, and I, uh, a couple months ago, I had some Latin homework that I couldn't figure out. And um, you know, none of the people from my Latin class were available. So I just you know hopped online and I entered a chat. And I said, hey, does anyone here speak Latin? And then some guy popped out. I was like, oh, you know, I've been studying Latin for 10 years. And then we started talking. And he started you know, giving me a whole entire lesson, an hour long lesson. And, you know, I didn't have to pay them because when you find uh, people are interested in what you're interested in, you're going to gravitate towards them. And, you know, like you were saying, people love to teach people stuff. So there's, you know, just go outside and make some friends. Just ask somebody. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, I mean, dog on Facebook. I mean, it's, it's very useful for that kind of thing. There's it's very easy to find local communities with things with stuff like that. Now, obviously don't make it easy to connect one account to another. Uh, don't put your phone number on Facebook. The, especially if it's the same one that's on telegram, uh, use like burner phones for that kind of thing. Just make it to where if you're going to put your personal stuff on something, uh, don't make it easy to connect it with something else. Uh, but like, you know, those are, they're still useful resources. Um, otherwise, I mean, there, there's other ways to find stuff like that locally. Um, um, go to, you know, a local church, ask around. Those are like simple community centers. Some of y'all are still under like really heavy coronavirus stuff. I guess the, you know, like the Facebook route would probably be better nowadays. Uh, but like, you know, these are, these are very important things for people like us. Uh, you know, I, I feel like most of y'all are sort of on the higher end of intelligence. Uh, you know, the, the definitely, uh, attempt to reach out locally and develop, you know, like a, a couple people who are at least on the same level as you or higher, more ideally. And, you know, like people with your, like your skill, you know, like or something like that. Or, or if you don't have a skill, I mean, look for something, you know, it, you, you, if you try it, Hey, what's wrong with that? You mean, if you try eight things and you don't end up sticking with it, you'll be like me. Hey, I'm a jack of all trades. You know, I can do like, I can do 12 things kind of good, you know, I mean, it's better than nothing, you know, uh, but Never stop looking. Never stop trying to find that niche that you can stick in. You know, some people, it took them until they were like 60 to find what they wanted to do for the rest of their life. But it's worth it. You know, it, you might not make a living out of it, but, you know, at the end of the day, it, what, what's, what's so bad about having a really fun hobby? For sure, for sure. So that was, um, I think, kind of covered on that aspect. There's um, two routes I think the right has to take in order to survive, be able to come on top eventually sometime in the future. And the first is what we were just talking about is create a counter infrastructure. Yeah. The second is to... um. Weaken the enemy's infrastructure. And what I mean by this is um, not to do something stupid. Um, 
something illegal. Yeah, there's it might be taken the wrong way. But um, my model, my template for this is um, the Journal of Nature ran an article. If it was 2017 or 2018, and the article was called um, "Combating Online Hate," and in it they give um, a set of guidelines of how people and um, certain agencies and also just committed individuals um, could do to um, mix things up to sabotage the dissident right. And one of the things that stood out to me there is it says, um, I think the phrasing was, is uh, create artificial hate clusters and provoke infighting. So what they would do is um, intonation one of the tactics that the various different enemies, whether it's, you know, Antifa, you know, these three letter organizations would do is um, they would create, you know, artificial profiles and they would send them in to Discord, to Telegram, to the Chams, and they would start on infighting. So then that way you would have communities of fracture over certain ideas. You know, maybe it's a policy proposal. Maybe it's, um, do you accept this thinker? Um, you know, one side is like, oh, you know, he's the best thinker in the world. You said, oh, no, he's a heretic. Um, and I'm sure somebody can think of, you know, these different thinkers yeah. um, or leaders. And this is not to say there's no room for actual disagreement. But according to the uh, journal Nature, um, that is one of the ways which division can be sowed. And the reason why they don't want to divide us is that way, if we're united, we could fight them. And the genius of the strategy is that it looks like it's our own internal failure. It doesn't look like we're being invaded by artificial profiles, um, artificial characters. What it looks like is that we're just a very, um, you know, stab you in the back community that, you know, we don't trust each other, that we're, you know, just giving way to infighting. All we do is fight and contradict each other. It looks like an internal feeling, although it's actually um, a counter, it's not a counterattack, but it's an attack. And this is um, similar to what was done uh, with Coincel Pro for those uh, knowledgeable of that, um, which was a, it was an operation done by the CIA to inf infiltrate mostly left-wing groups. Um, they did it, some other groups as well, um, some more right-wing groups. And they would infiltrate these groups and encourage um, these various groups to do activities to get them locked up, or again, would create infighting and they would have things where they would encourage these groups to have these uh, big fights about who the leadership would be. So, you know, if you have Organization X, you know, Socialist Organization X, it would create a situation in which um, the leader of the organization, for some reason, steps down. Now you have two people with opposing visions, and they're all, they're both vying for power. And again, this is all orchestrated by Pro. And they would do that to fracture the organization into two. And they would do that with the two and bring those into four. And that was just one of the tactics. And that is the model I think we can use, is you have to look at the different uh, institutions, the different parts of the infrastructure. Um, talk about Amazon. Talk about the public education system. Talk about the media. We need to find ways in which we can create problems for them that looks like they're internal problems. Because if it looks, if it's clear that it's us doing it, they're going to have a fit and they're going to pull out all the stops to make us pay. It needs to look like, no, this or that institution is having its own internal problems. That way we'll be blamed upon them. And now the point of this is their infrastructure is too built up. There's too many people working on it and supporting it 24 seven. So we can't take these uh, infrastructures down. What we can do is we can weaken it and we can get them, keep them preoccupied with their own troubles, which are really our troubles we put upon them. And if we keep them occupied, occupied um, they'll have less time and resources to focus on us directly. So what this, and we can't, um, you know, I, I can't prescribe certain uh, actions, what to do. Um, not because there will be illegal anything, because anything illegal is going to destroy us. Any short-term benefits that may bring about is, is going to do us in. So again, I'm not advocating for anything stupid. 
uh, you know, any of these kind of COINTEL operations needs to be done in secret and not announced because if, you know, an action is announced and that action happens, it can be traced back to us. Um, and if you think about it, there's so many people on the right that are online so much of the day. Um, I mean, if you look at Telegram, you look at the chats, you see there are some people that are active almost the entire day. And it's not just Telegram, it's Discord, you know, it's the chans, um, different other forms. And think about if you could find 10 people that, you know, you vetted over, of course, a couple of months, people you trust, and you create these small private chats, small private forums, and you pick a certain institution and you think, okay, how can I cause problems in that institution and make it look like it's their own failing? And what this will do is there's so many people uh, on the right that are on the internet all the time. And there's a lot of people that, um, you know, we would call autistic or spurgy, you know, people that are very uh, hyper-focused, very highly intelligent, very tech-wise, tech-savvy, is I think we can realistically cause a decent amount of trouble for them. And again, this is, we can't take them down. We can't, you know, destroy, you know, the media, destroy Amazon or anything like that. Um, what we can do is keep them preoccupied first. And second, as we're building our own infrastructure, and as there is this, you know, crumbling as it is, we can accelerate the crumble. So that way, when you know, the regime changes, we'll have a strong infrastructure and we make sure that their infrastructure is even weaker than it is now. What do you think some ways that we could fund our own infrastructure would be? Like, what do you think would uh, create some temporary sustainability for that type of thing? At the moment, it's um, I mean, at, at the moment, I think we have to support businesses that are overtly political. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not the long-term goal, because again, the long-term goal is to have businesses, infrastructure that's not overtly political, and then you have to be kind of in the know to know that they're counter-infrastructure. Um, I mean, I would highly encourage everybody to go to will2rise.com. That's W-I-L-L, the number two, then R-I-S-E.com. They have um, most different shirts and sweatshirts and um, CDs. Uh, that's it. And the reason I recommend that is they're the shop of um, what's called media2rise.com. Again, that's media, the number two, rise.com. It's run by a guy named Rob Rundo, and he's trying to create a counter to Vice News. Um, he's working on some very big budget stuff. He's out in Serbia, and he's touring different countries doing um, kind of a right-wing version of Vice on different uh, nationalist groups. So that's something that's a tangible um, alternative infrastructure is our own version of Vice News. So definitely, you know, support him in that business. And Will to Rise is how you can support Media to Rise. Um, I think Vox Day, V-O-X-D-A-Y, uh, is doing great work with Castelia House Publishing. I don't know how to spell that, but if you go, you know, type in Google or DuckDuckGo Vox Day, you can find um, he has his own publishing house and does comic books. Huh. And that's something he's really good at. And it's an alternative to Marvel that pushes a lot of progressive agenda. Oh, I think um, I've seen that. Yeah, he does good stuff. Yeah. Really good work. And so I don't read comic books, but um, from what I've heard people that do and that have read his stuff is they are they do match the quality of some of the old school Marvel, old school DC stuff. So it's... um. It's high quality. And there's a bunch of different um, businesses like this. They're creating counter infrastructure. Again, it's not just, you know, t-shirts, it's not just CDs, um, but it's, you know, it's a counter to Vice News. You know, with Media to Rise, it's a counter to the Marvel comics with Vox Day's Castalia House. One thing I do on my Telegram channels, you know, Voice of Tradition, uh, traditional t.me slash traditional voice um, just shamelessly plug my own channel in here is um, <laughs> every month or so I try to uh, I have a list that I keep on adding to of different uh, right-wing traditional conservative organ 
organizations and businesses. And I could probably list, you know, organize them by topic. And then I spam every chat I can get into and say, hey guys, check these guys out. They need our support. So it begins, you know, the funding begins by supporting these overtly political organizations, businesses. And from there, um, there's gonna have to be some behind the scenes networking between these different um, businesses. And there already is. Um, and from there we can lead to, it can lead to much uh, bigger infrastructure. You know, we need, we need to establish a pool hall or something, <laughs> you know, like, uh, um, obviously like it, it would be great for one of our guys to, I guess, secretly have like a couple brick and mortar stores, things like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to, uh, and not dis discrediting any of that at all, uh, like the online stores, but like, uh, you know, something uh, that you can go to. And obviously, you could not be explicit with your views. You wouldn't be able to allow the support to even be explicit. But, uh, you know, like we were saying earlier, like we don't know how long we'll, we will have the online aspect available to people on our side. And, you know, I would, you know, it, I, I don't know if any of those businesses will hear me or even if like this would be good advice for them, but like uh, they, they really need to look in ways. Oh, I mean, it'd be, it'd be great to have like a, uh, if, if I had a brick and mortar store, I, I would have like a mirror, uh, like not a black market dissident store, but, you know, essentially something like that. You could probably share materials uh, through each channel and, you know, like develop some stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I always try to sort of think of ways in, in things in that aspect. But then, then again, you know, like a post-corona world online is the way to go which right, is you know, which is yeah. yeah which which is sad but you know in a way it's good for us right right with that that kind of that kind of stuff's really interesting but uh what do you uh you know i was thinking of like the ways to sort of attack uh their side and you know besides like illegal stuff you know I, i've joked around about you know like uh attacking big spoon and uh <laughs> 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 or uh, <laughs> or uh, uh you know like uh messing with the ad algorithms and stuff like that uh but um you know, like we could, you know, like, and you would have to, uh, anyone listening who tries it would obviously have to do it independently, but like, uh, hold on one second. Uh, what? All right, I might have to wrap it up in a little bit, but yeah, okay. like uh, you know, there there's a you know a, a lot of people would have to do it like independently, and be able to uh, sort of uh, it, it's it's basically the same way like the CIA does it. If you get caught on this covert mission, you don't exist. Right. You know, like. <laughs> You got. You're gonna have to chomp into the cyanide pill. <laughs> like, you don't belong to us. <laughs> well, in any of these, you know, chats, any of these, like, um, you know, small groups. If I said ten, it could be less than that, but probably no more than ten because you don't. You want to know everybody kind of personally. Mm -hmm. Is that these operations don't happen? These people don't exist. You know, That's true. Yeah. These things you know, can't exist. 
and I, of course of course they do but i mean officially yeah and there's no logo on your yeah. chest when you go out there right there's no logo no name um you want to being known is defeat you're ideally nobody should ever know who you are or what you're doing mm-hmm. now there are, there are times for you know logos and um you know campaigning for this or that brand but that's not like what we're talking about here and uh again with like your time of brick and mortar is um uh there there are brick and mortar stores and networks let's say a uh, different counter infrastructure that's very serious um that you only know by interacting with people personally in real life and after a while and you they're probably you know some might even be in your own town but you don't know because it's kept very quiet mm-hmm. so this infrastructure we're talking about is not completely out there you know in ideal land um it does exist to an extent um again i don't know if any counter infrastructure um because you don't know about it unless you're there in person and you're talking to them and you know them. And the people that know about this infrastructure don't talk about it with anybody else unless they know it in real life and they know them very well. And if they're not a big mouth, you definitely don't share anything with those people. <laughs> right. Oh, man. You know... Um, I mean, we covered a lot of bases there. Uh, I think we put it nicely. Um, is there any closing thoughts? You know, I hate to wrap it up short, but, um, I got people in the room over who, uh, gotta go to bed. They're all good. Um, I guess closing thoughts is, um, think of what you use on a day-to-day basis in terms of goods, in terms of services. And think, okay, can I provide any of those? And it could be something very basic. It could be something like toilet paper, for example. Think about how you could provide that. And whatever that is, that's what you can contribute. Whatever skill you have. If you have a skill, if you're out there, you have some sort of skill. You can contribute that. It's that simple. Take what you can do. And if everyone takes that and puts it into um, a business, into a service, very quickly we're going to have our own infrastructure at the ready.